0: I am Denzel Mohammed, and this is Job Makers. Job Makers is a weekly podcast produced by Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston, and the Immigrant Learning Center, a not-for-profit giving immigrants a voice. Every Thursday at noon, we explore the world of risk-taking immigrants. Create new jobs, products, and services in Massachusetts and across the United States. Immigrants have higher rates of entrepreneurship than the US born at 11.5% compared to 9%. But there's one group with even higher rates of business generation refugees. Refugees have a 13% rate of entrepreneurship. They are good for our economy. But we also save lives by accepting them there are at least 79.5 million people worldwide forced to flee their homes. For some perspective, that's less than 1% of the world's population. And yet last year, the US settled an astonishingly low 11,800 refugees. For Hong Tran of Worcester, Massachusetts, his early life in Vietnam and even the journey to seek safety in the US was filled with tragedy. He was orphaned while fleeing and lost his baby sister to the pirates in the ocean. Thankfully, the US gave him and his remaining family refuge, and they have given back. They have excelled at entrepreneurship, with his aunt and uncle launching three businesses in Worcester while he grew up. And today, Hong has a diner, a laundromat, liquor store, real estate company, and a law firm under his belt, creating more than 50 jobs in the process. Hong knows what it's like to have nothing. And even with the rise in anti-Asian bigotry, he is determined to use his influence to help other immigrants and refugees get a leg up in their new homeland. So Hong, in 30 seconds, tell us a little bit about your current businesses.
1: So currently, I uh, own and operate uh, two companies: a real estate company and a, um, a law firm. And they work hand in hand. The real estate company, um, obviously, given the market right now, it's a, a boom in the industry. And the, the law firm, we do primarily real estate closings. And we close for forty-six different lenders, uh, commercial and residential uh, real estate closing firm.
0: But these aren't your first businesses. You've had several businesses before. Could you just briefly give us a rundown of the businesses that you've started and when?
1: Oh yeah, there were many uh, trial and errors, many um, uh, failures and uh, some are okay. I wouldn't call them super successful. Um, I've owned uh, a diner um, for a few years. I have had um, uh, a chain of laundromats uh, spanning from Massachusetts to uh, Connecticut, um, owned and operated a liquor store out in Springfield, Massachusetts, and uh, the real estate company currently um, uh, still operating. And then in uh, 2010, I became an attorney and I just opened up the law firm, sold all of the other business businesses, kept the real estate company, and uh, now just the real estate company and the law firm.
0: Help me understand why. Wh- what was what was the bug that made you start all these businesses? Why did you want to be a business owner? What prompted that?
1: So um, I think it was instilled in me by my uh, aunt and uncle and my cousins who I grew up with. Um, they have all always done businesses, and um, I remember the family starting one of the first. Um, Vietnamese grocery stores here in uh, Worcester. I remember being nine, 10 years old, stocking the shelves and bringing in uh, cases of uh, 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 goods to stock the shelves and carrying rice bags to uh, do all of these things. They also had a uh, restaurant. Uh, I remember peeling um, <laughs> um, in the, the the kitchen, peeling um, uh, garlic until your your fingers are, are burning, right? And uh, my cousin, I also had a uh, hair salon at the time. So back then, there weren't many Vietnamese businesses, but uh, uh, my aunt's family, who I grew up with, um, had three of those. So it's it's instilled in us to to do business.
0: And you talk about your aunt, which brings me to your own personal story of coming to the U.S. Um, it was not an easy journey. It was, in fact, extremely traumatic. Um can you describe for our listeners who really have no sense of what Vietnamese refugees went through? Guide us through the experience of leaving Vietnam and coming to the U.S. and tell us what that was like.
1: Okay, with a uh, with a caveat, uh, everything that I tell I'm telling you is uh, uh, a uh, compilation of stories that has been told to me by people who were on the boat who. Uh, um, some people who were not on the boat because they were captured by, uh, um, the communists and jailed And because I'm, I'm saying a caveat because I don't remember it. I was only seven years old. I have some kind of amnesia and therefore it's, 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 there's, there's no memory of the actual trip, but in 1985, uh, my parents uh, wanted a uh, future for us. So they, they, they risk, uh, everything and, uh, try to put us on a fishing boat with, um, a lot of others. Um, and my father did not make it on the boat. He was, he was caught by, uh, the guards and he was put back in jail. And from there we, uh, took off into the international waters and on the boat was, uh, my mother, my older brother, me, My younger brother, and my sister. So we were all two years apart. My brother was uh, nine, I was seven, my younger brother was five, and my baby sister was three. We were, um, we encountered uh, the communist guards in the water. And obviously, we had all of our possessions and belongings. So we, we used everything that we had to bribe them and they let us go. They even gave us water uh, for the rest of the trip and they, they let us go. Well, a few days later we encountered Thai pirates and um, they wanted the same thing. And uh, not having those, uh, it must have angered them. They, 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 they had six of their boats, they hopped onto our boat. They um, searched and uh, killed a lot of people uh, on the boat. They, um, did things that are just robbed, raped, and and killed. I mean, stuff that that pirates do. And uh, with those killed was uh, my mother and my baby sister. And then they took six of their boats uh, after doing what they needed to do. They um, started crashing into our boat so that our boat would sink. But then there was an oil driller that saw what was happening and it was it just it started coming towards us and when it came towards us the pirates saw that so they scattered and uh, the oil driller they netted whoever it is that was in the water onto their onto their boat and then the rest of us who was on the boat that hasn't sunk yet uh went onto the um uh the oil drilling ship and uh, I heard that my, my older brother was hanging onto a board that broke off from the boat in the water, um, trying to uh, stay afloat. I mean, he's, he's, he's alive and he's still kicking, um, but uh, uh, my mother and my baby sister didn't make it. So the three of us became orphans and my aunt who was also on the boat, my paternal aunt, she had uh, children of her own and she also had um, uh, a niece and a nephew and she took the three of us in then we went to um a refugee camp in Indonesia uh, Galing Island I think since then it has been closed down but we were at Galing Island for just for a few months and I think because my aunt had a lot of uh, children uh, who are under her guardianship uh, and that's why we were able to get accepted into the United States and, and leave earlier than the rest there were many others who um Stayed for 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 years, and some had to be returned back to Vietnam, and then just the lucky ones get accepted into different countries. But so we went to uh, Salt Lake City, Utah.
0: And what was life like for you as a seven-year-old in Utah? So um,
1: <laughs> we were helped by many. Churches and in Utah, predominantly uh, I guess the Mormon church, and they they helped us and I remember that um I was baptized as a Mormon, and um i we didn't know what it was. It was just people telling us what these are the people who who are helping us, right so obviously anything and everything that they're they're doing to us and for us must be must be good so we were all we were all baptized Mormons. so that was in nineteen eighty five then nineteen eighty six When we heard, uh, we meaning my my, my aunt and uncle, heard that there were uh, millwork that did not require uh, education, that did not require um, uh, a degree where they would just come over here and be able to start work right away in Worcester, Massachusetts, that's when the family uh, rented a a big van, and uh, I remember coming from Utah to here, we drove... And uh, the, the family had, had $20 left um, with everyone um, uh, in the van. And then the next day, because of the uh, work that's here, we were able, uh, the, the people who were old enough were able to, to go to work right away.
0: And I imagine, obviously as refugees, when you were first settled, you received some sort of government assistance. Did you ever have government assistance after that? Or were you able? Was your family able to to survive without any assistance?
1: So, um, when we first came here, obviously the government helped out in the start of everything because we we didn't have anything. So uh, we resorted to government assistance. Um, but then later on, when the family started uh, doing businesses and start performing, um, we leaned off of that little by little. But um, I think. With me and my my brothers, because we are orphans under the guardianship of our aunt and uncle, we we had some uh, some more assistance. And uh, when I went to college, I had uh, further assistance just because of the the my status, maybe. Yeah.
0: Got it. We interviewed a woman called Christina Chi, uh, who founded a company called Domiard and then another company called Data Bento. Um, who recalled being living in in northern Utah actually as well uh, when her parents first came, and you know having that gov- some government assistance throughout her childhood, which actually did help her to stay in school and helped her to be healthy. And then she went on to found businesses, uh, hire people, give back. Um, describe what is the experience you had of being a minority business owner in uh, Worcester, and why did you? Uh, decide to be a part of Asian business coalitions? So any
1: kind of business owner uh, has their own difficulties starting up and uh, uh, doing everything that a, a, a regular entrepreneur would, would have. But with with immigrants, I think we have a, a larger hurdle. Um, at first, when I started the law firm, I 99% of our clients are mainly Vietnamese uh, because of my natural market. Right. So the, the, the hardest thing for us is trying to expand and go into the, the general market. Um, and, but not only the law firm with, with all the other uh, businesses that I've, I, I've started up, I've, I've had as well. I think the the biggest, biggest um, hurdle is the knowledge of how to operate the business in a, uh, an organizational manner how to where to get uh uh, financing what are the different types of financing um that are for uh, uh, minority business owners if any it's yeah the government says that it's out there but if there's no connection between what the government puts out there to the people in need we need some kind of liaison to uh, say hey the 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 local minority market. This is what the government has. I just didn't have that knowledge. I didn't have the know-how. Um, the organizational uh, skill, I guess it's, it's. I just operated the business based on what I learned from what my aunt and uncle did. And that's all that I knew. Uh, obviously operating in terms of um, the day-to-day operation, that's how you do it, but I can't communicate how I'm doing it until I got my MBA. My MBA said my, when I was taking my MBA, I looked, I kept on looking back at the stuff that I did and I say, oh, that's what I did. This is what it's called. That's how I organized it. This is what it's called. So later on in life, I got to connect these things when I got the formal education. And um, I think to answer your second question, how I got involved in the Southeast Asian Coalition, um, my goal is honestly, to give back. And the Southeast Asian, Southeast Asian Coalition was um, uh, established and founded by uh, a few philanthropical mentors of mine here in the area. I remember Dr. Pasi and uh, Gomin and her husband, Min is uh, uh, one of those who came from Vietnam before 1975. And her uncle, uh, I call Uncle Bob, but her husband, they started this in wanting to give back to the community and want to um, help immigrants. So during that time, it was called the Southeast Asian Coalition because during that time, that's the Southeast Asian people are the people that are in need and they're coming into here. So the Southeast Asian Coalition was established to help. I get. I, I wouldn't. Would it be bad to say help assimilate and get people to uh, uh, to give them a uh, uh, a head start, right? To Find assistance for them to find homes for them to teach them the basics of the English language while they're 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 struggling. Uh, for the older people who can't go to school, the, the parents, the grandparents. So that's what we did. Well, that's what they did during that time. And about um, uh, seven or eight years ago, when I joined, uh, me and a group of others, we have expanded the Southeast Asian Coalition to um, uh, servicing people outside of the southeast uh Southeast Asia because the the needs from different parts of the world uh, entering the United States are different now it's not the Southeast Asians anymore we uh, we we actually house the Iran's Iraqis Afghanistan groups the, there's there, there are many different um, ethnicities in our main centers um when I left we were servicing uh, 10 to 11 thousand applicants, um, uh, uh, or immigrants a
0: year. Wow. That's kind of incredible. Um, so you served as president of the Southeast Asian coalition, and now you are part of the Vietnamese business, Co- uh, coalition. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. The Vietnamese Business uh, association, uh, was established over 20 years ago and, um, it was established by, uh, a group of businessmen out in the Boston area. Well, Dorchester is where all the Vietnamese businesses are, and that's where uh, uh, everything started. And um, they got together and formed a uh, not a an organized uh, coalition, but just them all together getting to see how they can help out with each other. And that's how everything started. And uh, I joined them as a member. Uh, I want to say while I was with the Southeast Asian Coalition about seven eight years ago, and I I, I, I like their vision and I like that what they were doing, but times were changing, things were changing quite a bit. So the structure that was from back then um, didn't work anymore because the, the needs are different. And so uh, we're in the process of getting a lot a lot of the younger minds and the younger visions to see how we can help with the, the, the Vietnamese businesses and how we can get more resources into our community to help uh, our community strive. The business community as well. Yeah.
0: So, as president of this uh, association, what are some of the concrete things that you all have been doing? So, just, particularly in this, in this, particularly during the pandemic. Just um, last week alone,
1: we uh, uh, did a we had a um, uh, joint venture with the SBA um, doing a in, in Vietnamese. Uh, I think it's going to be on YouTube uh, by next week. Uh, of the PPP programs of the the, um, the disaster relief and all of the stuff that um, uh, President Biden has been starting. And uh, um, from there, we did it in Vietnamese just so that if there's anybody with questions out there, um, just like from when I was younger, not knowing where to get the information, well, we have all this information here. And if there's any information that is further needed, they can call one of us in, in order to further help with the process.
0: That is excellent. And speaking of the pandemic, um, you, as all of us would have noticed, there was a rise in anti-Asian sentiment um, perpetuated by a lot of misinformation and political rhetoric. Um, What is your response to America when it comes to this kind of sentiment? I didn't
1: understand racism the way that i understand it today i i know that some existed but i just didn't know that you can sense you can see it in the actions of now your next door neighbors um i think the pandemic and the rhetoric that has been going about has fueled or has has made racism okay for certain people to express. And that's why it's getting to the way that it is right now. And it needs to stop because America is built on immigrants and any one group against another group is detrimental to our fundamental existence. Not only America, but, but, but humans, right? So any racism is not good. But with things being uh pinpointed towards the Asians right now from um associating the Asians with the virus or any Asians as saying, Hey, you're Asian, you must be Chinese, and because you're Chinese, um uh you started this virus, that's it's it, it, it's 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 very wrong and it needs to stop.
0: America gave you refuge. Um, we saw in the past few years a dramatic de- decrease in the number of, of refugees that the U.S. Ex- has accepted. Um, that is in the process of changing. But refugee resettlement as as a sector was, was really decimated. Um, <clears throat> personally, for you and for your family, looking back, I know you were only seven at the time. But looking back and having this perspective... Seeing where you came from and where you are now, what do you think it means for America to be that beacon for refugees, that, that, that home that will accept people who are in the most dire of situations?
1: Look at all the stuff that, that look at, look at the economy, look at the businesses that's been here. It's, it's, it's the immigrants who start a lot of these businesses as well. And um, from my personal perspective, I uh, of course I don't have a lot of things to compare to, but I thank America for giving me the the, the platform, the education, the opportunity that it has, and from that opportunity, I I, I see the opportunity, and and this is this is what I'm doing now because of that opportunity. So, thank you to America, and and uh, like any. Uh, uh, adopted parent America is my adopted parent and it has given me everything that my uh, biological uh, country or parent could not or did not give so I think America uh, in order to continue to be innovative innovative be, in order to continue to be the the economic strength that it has it needs to continue to uh, uh, build these paths for people that um, are in these dire need, not only from the humanitarian perspective, but from the the, the economics within this country.
0: I could not have said it better myself. <laughs> <clears throat> um, is there anything else you wanted to add as pertains to your story or your journey? Um, and I really wanna find out what your ambitions for the future are. Uh, you're inherently entrepreneurial, you've proven that time and time again, uh, with successes, with some failures. Uh, where do you see yourself going forward?
1: So, uh, of course, yes, I have hopes and, and visions, but I also have fears. I, I, I came here not knowing anything, and uh, I just did what I needed to do in order to survive. And uh, seeing my three children growing up in America today, I'm very nervous for them. I'm very nervous for them for being Asian, for looking Asian, for looking different from what um, uh, some people will consider Americans, they were born here. They 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 are Americans, but they're not going to be looked upon that way. So that's my, my that's my fear for them uh, growing up. But my visions and hopes for uh, the stuff that I can do or I need to do for the people around me, um, I'm going to continue uh, in this business. I'm going to. Continue to help and uh, uh, give opportunities that I have been giving. Um, I think it's, it's 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 time to give back not only in uh, finance but in time, in education, in, in the volunteers and the stuff that we can do. If if all together, if everyone can 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 join hands to uh, do these things, I think we would have such a better America than what we have today.
0: I think that's the absolute perfect way to end the podcast.
1: Tenzo, as always, thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: Thank you so much, Hong, uh, for all that you do and continue to do, and for your vision for Worcester and the people in your community. Um, The fact that you've stayed in Worcester in and of itself says uh, quite a lot. Um, And we wanna wish you the, the absolute best of luck going forward. Thank you so much. If you like what you're hearing and want more of it, become a JobMakers sponsor. And if you know an outstanding immigrant entrepreneur, let us know by emailing Denzil, that's D-E-N-Z-I-L, at jobmakerspodcast.org. So happy that you joined us for this week's inspiring story of another immigrant entrepreneur. Join us again next Thursday at noon. I am Denzil Mohammed, and thank you for listening to JobMakers.